0: In simple terms, Service Bureau simply sell software. At the end of the day, your product is software. We've seen this time and time again. There's a lot of people out there who just, for lack of better words, slap their logo on attack software, mark shit up, and don't do anything else. And that's the quickest way to lose business in this industry.
1: Welcome to the Service Bureau Accelerator Podcast where we help tax professionals start and scale a successful service bureau. All right. <laughs> well, welcome
0: everyone to the first episode of the Service Bureau Accelerator podcast. Uh, my name is Baldeep. We have Ross, also known as Uncle Ross, uh, in the group.
2: Uh Zaddy oh, Ross to some. Zaddy <laughs> Ross
0: to some. Uh, we got Tia the, commu- the, Tia, the tax goddess, the Service Bureau Accelerator community liaison here. Um, well, I'm just going to let Tia kind of go ahead and kick it off and start with the topic. What is a service bureau?
2: Yes. <laughs> what is a service bureau? So can we talk about um, what is not?
1: <laughs> Let's we start can start with, with, what with what is not, is not a, service a service bureau.
2: bureau. <laughs> yes, what is not a service bureau? Um, so I will say for a long time when I started in the tax industry, of course, I started like I guess how anyone else does working under someone, you know, doing your commission split until you make your way to the glory land. Um, I had no idea I was working under a service bureau. Uh, Once I did get to the point where I got my EFIN, I was looking to purchase software. I just thought it was um, just another office that they were, you know, selling me software. And I had to pay these fees as pretty much my right of passage into the tax industry.
1: Basically, like becoming like you mean, like becoming an ERO where like, all right, now you got your own office, you've got your own software. This is just a a part of business.
2: Yeah, that was a part of business. I thought that was the top. I thought that where I was as an ERO, that was it. This was as good as it gets. You know, I'm paying my fees, doing whatever. This is my contribution and my expense, you know, to my tax office. I had no idea, honestly, until I met you guys. (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) and then you realized and then you figured out what is a service
0: oh
2: yeah i was getting all the way over
0: (laughs) so yeah well we'll get in the future episodes we will get into the horror stories that we've heard uh, over the past couple of years uh with the with the service bureau accelerator all all that speak to a lot of people um but you know in simple terms and the way we kind of break it down you know service bureaus simply sell software right um there's a lot of people that like to get fancy about it um but at the end of the day your product is software and um you know one thing i will say though and we've seen this uh, time and time again there's a lot of people out there who um just for lack of better words slap their logo on attack software mark shit up and and don't do anything else and and that's the quickest way to lose business in this industry um So we kind of do things a bit different, but those are all topics for another day. Uh, But in in simple terms, you know, service bureaus just provide tax software to other EROs. Some service bureaus will go the route of um, recruiting preparers or recruiting new people and showing them the industry. Uh, So why don't we just kind of go into some of the different revenue models uh, that people that we see are most common, the ones that we recommend people go down and some that we recommend people don't go down. There's a lot of different revenue models. So let's uh, let's talk about some, uh, some of the different type of revenue models for your service bureau. Um, I'll start with uh, the first one. Simply sell your damn software. <laughs> sell your software. <laughs> it's not complicated, yes. right? Sell your software. Now, what I, what I would say is that people that are successful in that front – don't just provide software. Um, They're going to have what we call value adds in their packages. Um, Ross, you want to share another another uh, revenue model that that you see that's coming
1: for sure. I'll I'll, I'll share one is uh, which is probably the most popular that we've seen, at least in our program and and anyone listening to this to this episode. I'm sure you've seen this on social media uh, tax academies. Um, I want to jump into this one because it's a it's there's a lot to unpack on this revenue model. Uh, Love, and hate. this is this is a lot of stuff that we've seen as well in the industry being, you know, doing this for multiple years now and working with people trying to help them grow their tax academies versus a business in a box. So a tax academy is by by nature it's typically where you're introducing brand new people in the industry, showing them how to get into the tax industry, teaching them how to do tax returns, showing them how to go out on their own, get their p get their EFINs, like A to Z, all the steps involved. You know, think about yourself and anyone listening to this episode your journey that you went through probably started working under, a you know, for another tax shop, started as a prepare hourly, maybe commission. Then eventually you started realizing like, okay, there's levels to this. Now I got to get my Ethan. Well, a tax Academy program is basically kind of breaking down those steps one after the other, helping someone go from brand new to the industry all the way, hopefully to becoming like a successful tax professional where they maybe even have their own office and they get their own Ethan, whether they have a brick and mortar or they're virtual. Now, the reason why I wanted to dive into this is because there's also very clear, um, well, I mean, I mean to be fair, actually, it is very similar between an academy versus a business in a box. Um, there's also a lot of other people who run like business in a box programs where they're providing more structure, strategies and support and mentorship and guidance for existing preparers and potentially some EROs who are just looking to grow their business, providing them more strategies and resources to help them really scale up their business. And at the end of the day, it's you're virtually offering the same thing. You're, you're kind of providing the same thing. Strategies to create better like infrastructure in your business, actually incorporating. There's a lot of preparers out there who are just working hourly rates at a tax shop and want to go out on their own, but they need that guidance. Business in a Box is a great fit for that because you're going to be able to provide them strategies on and walk them through how to go out and get their ETH in, how to go out and acquire more customers for the business, how to get better systems and processes set up, and most importantly, provide them with the tax software for them to be able to actually go out on their own and do the tax returns in their own business. Now, the reason why these two um, are, are closely paired together is because again, what you're teaching them at the end of the day is a lot of the same stuff. But what we've seen and what we suggest a lot of people in our group to do is to focus on the business in a box because you're going to be working with existing preparers and existing people in the industry. There is going to be a lot less work and a lot less handholding involved to in order to bring someone to be successful because they most likely already have customers that they're bringing into their business. Right. So you're you're really kind of trimming down the amount of work that you have to put in while still at the end of the day, you're doing a lot of the same stuff with just a lot less handholding, a lot less kind of work involved. I've, I've told people <laughs> before on a call I was like, look, let those let other tax stores like let all the franchises, let them train up the prepares and then you can bring them in and, and help them go out on their own when they're ready to do that. Um, But that's another revenue model at the end of the day, though, the the great thing is about being a service bureau is however you want to grow your service bureau. There's no real wrong choice, right? If you want to work with brand new people and train them and really be that like that teacher and that mentor, that's fantastic. Um, A lot of people, though, they don't want to have to deal with some with a lot more of like that handholding and the business in a box is maybe a better option for them to go and grow because they can just work with people existing in the industry who need that extra mentorship and guidance to help them grow their business. So. That's another very, very popular revenue model, but I always like to break down the little distinction between academy versus business in a box.
2: Yeah, and um, Ross, just to kind of piggyback off of something you said, and I'm pretty sure we'll touch on it later, um, the business in a box model being a lot easier to um, launch than a franchise. You know, just mm. some people who have come to us wanting to turn their um, model into a franchise um, and actually reverting over to just the business in a box has been a lot more palatable, yeah. I've seen.
1: Yeah, well, and it's also like a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people in the industry, we've seen this. There's like someone someone somewhere started talking about franchising their, your tax office. And now everyone, it's like kind of like a buzzword that that's, that's going around a lot, I'm talking about franchising the, the tax office. When at the end of the day, you're, you, the best way to do that is through a service bureau because now you, you can create your own branded software. You can create like a branded program that people jump in but it's not a, a legit franchise where you have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to actually set up the franchising and and do that whole structure. And there's a lot less liability as well versus being a franchise uh, owner. And Baldeep, with with your experience as a as a as a franchisee, you could you'd even t- maybe touch on that a little bit as well. But yeah, that franchise kind of misnomer is as goes around quite a lot where you're best suited to be a service bureau if you want to do that and have people kind of, you know, following your systems and programs. Start a service bureau, create like a business in a box program, obviously name it whatever you want, but then that's, that's the best way to go out and launch something as, as close to a franchise as possible.
0: Without the, without the liability of the franchise, once you go the franchise model, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a lot of legal and getting registered. Yeah. There's a couple, there's like a bunch of states that you just register once and you're in a bunch of states, but then there's a lot more compliance and you have to protect your trademarks. You got to protect a lot of different things. Um, service bureau is kind of just a lot easier, right? you you can set up similarly, and obviously you ask your attorneys about this. You can set up similarly. There's just a couple of components that you don't do, which is fine because it's not really that that uh, I mean the the main the biggest one I, I think is you know you don't you don't require everyone to use your brand, which is essentially probably better because if somebody goes out and messes up your brand, right? you know then, <laughs> You're dealing with all those headaches, whereas, hey, you're providing, you're basically licensing a system to them um, and they can go do with it what they please. A lot of people like to have their own names. You know, we see a lot of people, they want their own brand, they want their own name. So why not give them that option and just give them all the tools and support that a typical franchise would? Um, But yeah, I I think that that's a good comparison there, there, Tia.
2: Yeah. And so this is what I wanted to kind of um, ask you guys and just backtrack a little bit and talk about what is a service bureau. How did service bureaus even come to exist? <laughs> OK. Uh, yeah. and So
0: it's it's funny. I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, so just to, I guess an example I'll give is, you know, the value added reseller concept in the corporate world, right? So if you're familiar with companies like Salesforce, Microsoft, and, you know, those big companies, historically, what these guys will do is they'll get a company, some other company, XYZ, for the lack of better words, will say, hey, uh, Salesforce, I want to be part of your value-added reseller program. So what they'll do is these other companies will go and sell their Salesforce licenses, but this other company may provide extra value. Like one thing that a lot of companies do in that spe- with that specific example is Salesforce complicated as shit to set up. Like the average business owner, the average medium, even large businesses aren't going to have certain people to set this up. They need consultants to help them, right? So this company says, hey, I'll provide you with 50 Salesforce user licenses. And part of our package includes those licenses and all the setup and customization to make it yours, right? To make yeah. it... Make it work for your business, right? The setup. So you know, with the tax softwares, uh, I'm gonna talk a little shit. Most tax softwares aren't (laughs) the best at marketing, right? So they're not good at acquisition. Like they have developers that can develop software, right? I'm sure they have some marketing, but and they may have some internal sales teams. But how did that? How does this company, whose core business isn't sales and marketing, go out and get more customers? Well, they have a service bureau program right so the service bureaus are incentivized and we'll talk about service bureau incentives and all that stuff in in future episodes uh but service bureaus the job of the service bureaus hey i'm gonna sell XYZ's companies licenses under my brand right that's how how they typically do it some don't but i would recommend do it on your own brand um i'm gonna sell these companies licenses um and here's the extra value i provide right so historically the biggest service bureaus in the industry um, would provide... The main thing they provide is tech support, right? Because once you become a service bureau, no, most of the time, you have to provide tech support for your customers, right? Because now the tax software is like, well, we're giving you this discount on licenses. You can do all this extra stuff. So you need to support your customers. Otherwise, why Why should we do it, right? But not everyone wants to go and uh, create whole tech support to see. Then we'll get into all this stuff in future episodes. So I'm not going to dive into all that stuff. But essentially the bigger service bureaus in the industry over the years, that's all they provide was tech support and um, and the software. What has happened since then and what I've seen before we started SBA. And one of the reasons why we started it um, is like I said earlier, a lot of people just go in and getting their software branded, marking everything up and all they're providing is chart is tech support and software. So what really separates you, Yeah, right? What really separates you? So it's kind of gotten to that point. Uh, that's what we all saw. That's, that's what, what we saw. So when we launched Service Broke Accelerator, it was like, well, no, you don't be like everyone else. Here's how you actually put together value. And we'll get into all those types of yeah. things in 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 other episodes. I know I'm saying that a lot, but this is pretty
2: funny. But they've, got, they've gotten away with it because of yeah. the lack of knowledge. And I'm, I want to say gotten away. Let me like not try to criminalize it. Oh, anything. no,
1: no, no. They got away <laughs> with it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs>
2: it, it was it was lack of knowledge that, yeah. uh, I mean, if you don't know that, the quote-unquote value add aspect is there. You're thinking that that's all you're yeah. getting, and you yeah. really think that that's enough.
1: Yeah. Well, like like your your story to you, right? You're like you when you got it when you became the e, the ERO, you bought your software, and you're like, all right, I guess a this is just bureau. the cost yeah. of doing business. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I I really did, and I was, but I was happy because I was uninformed. Yeah.
1: You know yeah. <laughs> you're blissfully ignorant and until until you talk to us and you're like, What? Yeah. and that's happened so many times because like like Baldeep said, that's what a lot of people have just been doing. They get as far as service bureaus, they get their own software, they slap their logo on it, and then they just crank up the fees left, right, and center. Now, don't get me wrong, depending on how you're growing your service bureau, there's certain people you probably do want to have some high fees on, but when you're working with an office who's doing you know four or five hundred returns you know as soon as if you're gouging them and as soon as they find out yep. they're gone like you're going to lose them as fast as possible yeah. like, immediately and that's the horror stories that we've had because we've talked to i mean in the in the years doing our marketing program and everything we've talked to thousands and thousands of eros in the space and 95 if not 98 percent of eros have no clue when they're doing those bank products in the software all those extra little line item fees they don't know where that money's going no no idea. one knows where that money's going and and a lot of it's going to the service bureau without people even realizing it
2: so now i want to get messy oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so when service Bureau accelerator was launched and you all looked knowing what was out there in the market and which you could provide um what did you think about in regards to like the risk and the reward because i'm pretty sure you knew this would ruffle a lot of feathers out there, cause you guys know these big hitters. Well, <laughs> you guys ain't at the same table. Uh,
0: yeah, so I mean, look, the the bigger. I mean, I spoke. I spoke to you know we work with some other bigger people on on the tech support side, so I, I definitely spoke to them about hey, this is what I'm doing, and they're like, one of them was like, well, that's great because we don't provide any of that stuff, right? It's like the similar scenario, like we provide support, that's it, okay, and then. In the conversations with them, I'm like, look, I see a lot of, for lack of a better words, shitty service bureaus out there. And yeah, we knew we we're going to ruffle the feathers. We knew a lot of people were going to hate us. And look, and I tell people this all the time. Look, there, there's service bureaus out there with like 10,000 products, for example. They're not our customer. They're, we're going to be, they're, they're not our customer. Their ego won't let them work with us, even though we can provide them better value, better, probably a better deal and better service. Uh, but number two, um, they're not our customer. Their customers are a customer, so we brought in a lot of people from other service bureaus. That you know, realistically, when you see all the stuff we provide, you can't compare, right? Um, Even in in like your case, Tia, and a lot of people's cases. Look, you're gonna get the software that you're getting from your service bureau, but all these fees they go into your pocket now because we don't charge that shit. Right? What are they giving you for that? Nothing. Tech support? Yeah, cool. Everyone's got that, <laughs> right? Software licenses? Cool. Everyone's got that. Um, So yeah, I mean, it, it, we definitely ruffled feathers, and we continue to do it. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm not sorry about it. The, the yeah more than not, you would like,
2: not... or have you expected this amount of heat? Uh, look,
0: I mean, we don't pay attention to that.
1: I, I think, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. We it's like yeah. we'll see. It comes up, but it's like, whatever, yeah, we we'll brush it off. It's like, we're, we're focused on our business. If they want to, if, if other people
0: want, people we'll are, have other uh, episodes talking doing, specifically about uh, yeah. some <laughs> stuff, but if other people want to try and copy us or talk shit about us, yeah, more power to you, right? We're focused. We have our system of acquisition. Yeah. We have sales processes. We don't get involved in all this little back room talk that people think they know, but they have no idea. Go have fun. We're just going to keep moving. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, as we're doing a, uh, like a little mastermind here uh, the other day and, and then some stuff like this came up. You know, if you focus too much on what everyone else thinks or what, uh, what went wrong or, you know, focus too much on, on like little things and you're not focused on the actual growth of your business, you're never going to succeed. Right. Yeah. So our metrics that we look at isn't, Oh, what the fuck are they saying about us over there? I don't give a shit. Our metrics are, well, how many uh, how many applications are we getting? How many sales calls are booked? How many people are attending our webinars? Right? What's the what's the what's the conversion rate of that? Um, what's the per- per conversion rate of our sales reps speaking to people to join our program? Those are the metrics that matter to us and, and, then, and the, on the sales end. And then guess what's next? Once you sign up, we have a whole series of metrics of customer success, uh, especially this year, kind of completely revamped. Right? How many people started uh, went through foundations? How many did their kickoff call with Tia? Uh, how many of them even opened up their software and have software adoption steps? So there's a lot of other metrics we track once somebody becomes a customer. But uh, those are things that matter to us. Not really so much the person crying because we took all their clients because they prevent no fucking value and suck. Like, go have fun, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and I think I think that is, because um, um, I will tell you when we first started the, the kickoff calls with the service bureau, the biggest question I've always gotten is, this seems too good to be true. You are teaching me how to do something that you're also doing. So, yeah. you're giving me that who, same Who better plan, did, who, who better to that?
1: teach it? Who better to teach it than, <laughs> well, than and, and the guys who do it? And you know what? On, well, we'll,
0: we'll we'll I'll I'll address that. And then we'll do a quick <laughs> recap of the revenue models and we'll end this episode and we'll ta- we'll bring that topic back up in other episodes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, look, realistically, like before we launched Service Bureau Accelerator, most people didn't know what a Service Bureau was. Like, you, I've seen it over the yeah. past three years in the industry and more people talking about it, more people offering it, more people bringing it up than ever before. And, and I guarantee you there's no one that could say different because once we launched it, the questions started popping up. That's when people got mad because yeah. they're like, what, these people are giving away all our secrets. Why are they telling them all this stuff? There's there's so many people, so many people that have said I've gotten more information from your webinar than anywhere else, than anywhere else in the industry. Yeah. And the reason why is most people aren't going to tell you this is how you make your money. Oh, this is where I make my money. Right. This is how. There no one's going to tell you that stuff unless you already are under them or signed up with them. But we do all that stuff before, yeah. so you guys have in, can make an informed decision. Right. There's some people that yeah make poor decisions after. Not our business, right? But <laughs> but no, so like that we're we're when we were setting up to launch Service Bureau Accelerator, um, that was one of the things. One of the things we looked at, and, and we'll probably go a bit deeper on this in another episode. But one of the things we looked at is hey, if we're gonna go, you no, know, we we're doing our thing. We have I've had my service bureau for years, we've had multiple branded service bureaus out there so uh, selling a lot of clients. But one of the things that that I looked at as well. If we're going to go show people how to be a service bureau, we need to make sure they have a real service bureau deal and understand where all the money's going, how it's made, how to get more of it. Yeah, um, which is one of the things that no one else fucking did. Um, no one would give yeah. them the incentives that we give people unless they knew to ask. And the problem is most people don't know to ask. So there's people that out of the box after they signed up, and you know when the money starts coming, you know for the for the end of season drop, they're like, wait, what's this extra money? Like, yeah, you have that in your agreement because you hit these things. They're like, oh, but I didn't know about, it. they didn't know it existed before, but we just make sure they get it because it's not fair to somebody who, if they don't know what question to ask, they shouldn't get fucked over because they don't, they don't know. Right. We want to make sure yeah. you get the best deal possible. I was looking at it and when we launched it, yeah. I was telling the team, like, I want to make sure that people get the deal that I wish I got when I started.
2: So let me ask you this then, because we've had this happen soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down on the ground the community. Community <laughs> thank me. Um we talk about what what is a service bureau? What is a fake service bureau? Um I've heard people come into the uh kick calls and I had a fake deal. I had a fake service bureau. What does that I mean? I
0: don't know. I mean to everyone it could mean a different thing. Uh, I don't I don't I don't necessarily
1: yeah. I, I don't I, th- I think usually it's a it's a it's someone who's just basically set up as a reseller.'re they're, they're, they're being told that they're a service bureau mm-hmm. because they have like a branded software that that their service Bureau created a branded software for them to go out and sell, but they never actually gave them full control. The service Bureau is still putting fees on the bank products. They're maybe sharing that with the person who's now going out and selling their their own software, but they don't actually have full control of it like an actual service Bureau where you're yep. in the back end, you can issue licenses, you can do everything. If you have someone to go to, this is like, like, uh, like one of members, Medi, right? Like this was his story where he thought he had a real service bureau, but he was just reselling his own software and he had to always go to someone to set up a license. He had to go to someone to actually set up an office in the software. He couldn't do all of that as him, himself, <clears throat> excuse me. So if you don't have full control of your software where you can issue licenses as you want and as you as you like have people buying then you're not a real service bureau. And I think that's where most people fall under where they're kind of just set up as like a, a fake service bureau where they don't have full control to the back end. They don't have control of all their fees. They're still getting hit up with fees from their existing service bureau. Um, you know, maybe they're getting some of that kicked back to them now at this point, but they still don't have full control. And that's typically what I've, what I've seen. A yeah, occur, uh, yeah I agree with
0: that. I think that that's something that, that people, we, we've seen that we've even brought over people this year that, yeah, uh, quick story. Somebody's like, "Oh, like I've had to go look at their brand because they said they already had a brand bill, so they're logging in." And I'm like, "Oh no, you need to log into the other thing," and they're like, "Okay," and they went and logged in with another username. I'm like, "No, that's that's just a different office. You need to log into this other thing." Here's the URL because I could tell I know that the URL should be. They're like, "I'm like log into this." They're like, "Oh, I don't have access to that." I'm like, okay, so you don't really have access to your brain. <laughs> like, okay. So, yeah. Okay, well, so we'll you're not a service bureau. <laughs> so we'll go know. ahead and get you set up right. Uh, and then you don't you have full control. Yeah. You can mark up whatever you want, do whatever you want. All of that goes to you.
2: Um, but yeah, yeah, a good question to you. And then what?
1: Very, yeah. yeah,
2: because, you know, a service bureau, yeah. I mean, and I know you guys are like really, really techie, but just from my own experience and from the experiences of this within the community, yes, there is this um, – business side of it but then it's also like a really big emotional side of it and i think on the emotional side for me um the bear accelerator means transparency Mm -hmm. like understanding knowing really just straight shooters okay this is what it is is how it is this is what what can work and what can't work and i think like that respect not only just builds a loyalty to, you know, um the brand, but it's also like a, a commitment to the program. Like, okay, I want to do better because I'm being informed and I see that they're pushing me to be better and grow more and do more. They're providing me all these resources and tools. So I just kinda wanna add that out there for you guys. Like it's definitely like a Whoa, well, you know, one of the
0: far. yeah one of the things that yeah regardless of what people read in Facebook groups, one of the th- one of the things that we're very, very upfront <laughs> about is where the money is made, how we make our money. If somebody asks, yeah, this is where it is, right? And this is, go ahead, Russ.
1: I, I was going to say, I actually want to touch on that a little bit too, because we did talk about what is a service bureau. We talked about revenue models, but I also wanted to quickly talk about how do, re- how do service bureaus actually make money? Because we've been talking about fees and everything like that, but I don't think we actually yeah. have really clearly explained. Sure. Well, let's
0: do that. Let's break down um, how service bureaus how service bureaus make money and then we'll wrap up this episode and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go on to other topics in future ones.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, off the bat, right? Like we talked about this as as far as like the first revenue model is just selling your software. Right. So, um, now depending on your deal, and this is, uh, another topic for later, (laughs) but depending on your deal, uh, you know, you, if you are not with us, you might not have the best deal, but, uh, you do you, um, you may have to pay for every so- software license that you sell. Um, with ours, you don't. But basically, when you go out and sell your software to an ERO, you would then you know, sell, say, a software package for 1000 bucks, right? We're just going to throw that number out there. So you as the service bureau, you collect that fee. You're the one charging the customer $1,000. They're paying you directly. Now, if you have to pay a portion out of that for your license fee, you got a bad deal, but that's fine. Uh, Most people with us us, don't have to going to tell them how they really feel. Yeah, Um, with us, you don't have to pay any fees. So that's all your money. You keep it. Um, So that's the first revenue. That's the first way you can generate revenue, right? Is just selling your software or selling your software packages for that upfront cost, like that thousand dollar license fee, plus any renewals, right? So that's your first revenue bucket. Now, the second revenue bucket, and this is where you really make the most revenue as a service bureau, and this is where most people, are, a lot of people are getting pissed off because they would sell their software for free or whatever, and then they'd hit people up on the back end, is on every bank product that gets funded through the software. So if you are working with you know early season tax offices who are working with a lot of bank product customers, um, you as a service bureau can set additional fees whenever those bank products uh, get, get used to the software. So you can now there's a couple buckets within there. I won't go into too many details, but that is where you have other areas that you can put on additional fees on the transmission fees, uh, technology transmission fees. You can add a service bureau fee. A lot of you guys might see like SVB fee or service bureau fee in those bank, uh, those uh, bank product like fee, fee sheets. That is where there's a lot of extra dollars that the service bureau can add onto those bank products that the tax customer, your customers, for you guys who are growing your tax business, Your tax customers are paying these fees out of the refund and that money is bypassing you and it's going up to the service bureau. And so that's an area where service bureaus also generate revenue is through the bank product fees. Um, And that's where really at the end of the day, that's where a lot of the bread and butter is. That's where um, most of the revenue comes from. Is in bank and,
2: and there's was all, a lot of conflict too. That's where a lot of the conflict. And, that's where a lot of the conflict the comes up as well. Because <laughs> see, how much,
1: <laughs> how much were you paying for a uh, for bank product on your I think software?
2: One seventy nine. No, yeah. two hundred and something when you add all the fees um, together. Yeah. That my client was paying, and I, I will say this after being a service bureau for you know two years now. Um, you get your emotions out of it, and you kind of you know at first you're like, oh, okay, they're I don't know if we. can. Dick and me, <laughs> you know, but then you realize, well, it's not, I wasn't upset about the fee that was being charged. I was really upset that I wasn't getting any of it when I kind of yep. sat and thought about it, like, okay, they're going to have to pay something regardless. But I would rather get something of it. So if I was getting something, that would be different, but I wasn't getting anything. And I think yeah. that's how most of us who start off as EROs going to service bureaus um, feel. That's like, at least for me, like a social impact point. Like, okay, yeah. I want to be transparent. And when, you know, my EROs ask, okay, what is this SB charge? Okay, that is my service bureau fee for the first year. You know, I collect it. And this is what it covers, staff calls, emails, trainings. I let them know where that yeah. money is going once Not comes- not just
1: not just software and tech support. You're like, "Well, yeah. I thought that was the license fee that I already paid."
2: Right. <laughs> and then all of sudden, the- okay. Like because yeah. they're fine with it. Like, "Okay, if that means I get yeah. to email you or call you, I'm cool with that."
1: Yeah. And that's that's a huge part of like what what we also talk about in our program is is like, "Look, it, there, it's a, it's fine to charge fees. Like, we're not saying like don't charge anyone fees. Like, Obviously, put fees on 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 your offices because that's where you're going to make revenue. Revenue, but make sure that it's like it actually makes sense, right? Because here you, you can explain the fees like, well, this is what it covers, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense because because they know they're actually getting more service. That's where we that's where we also teach about like, hey, like sell with more value, have more value that you're bringing to the table, so you're not just software and tech support. Your software tech support and email support, you know, staff members that are that are supporting people, everything that you talked about before, Tia that is what sets it up. And I mean, with, with certain scenarios, like we talk about this with like an Academy, if you're working with someone brand new, guess what? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of hold, hand holding. You're going to have a lot higher fees probably on someone who's brand new to the industry that you're working with. That is maybe they maybe they don't even have an EFIN they're filing under yours. There's a lot more liability if you want to do that kind of approach. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously as a service bureau, you're probably going to increase those fees and that's fine. But at a certain point in time, don't get greedy because that's where customers are going to leave you as soon as they they get savvy. And as soon as they figure it out, they're going to leave. They're going to jump ship a, a, as soon as possible. So make sure it's reasonable and, and what you're actually charging makes sense based on what you're actually delivering.
2: I almost wish we can do like an, another episode on like service bureau etiquette. <laughs> we are. Like we actually we –
0: actually, yeah. So let's wrap up this episode. But that's funny because uh, we are – we actually put together uh, – name name's still in the works. But like – the ten Service Bureau Commandments, right? We, we actually Please. made a list. I uh, think it's not. We're not quite at ten yet. We just gotta, you know, brainstorm a bit more. But it's gonna be some along the line. There's gonna be some type of list uh, that we put together. That'll be a whole episode in itself of of that. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I think this was a interesting first episode. It wasn't quite what I expected. It was like, hey, let's we'll keep it simple. What is the Service Bureau? Well, it's a little bit more deeper stuff than uh, than anticipated. Yeah. But that's fine. That's fine. That is fine
2: keep it spicy. What we're all about.
1: And, and one, one other thing too, I also want to mention to you, you're we talking about like honesty, and like transparency. That's actually, so in the, in the new year, we actually went through some internal like company stuff, training and just kind of getting more infrastructure. That's actually one of our company core values is, uh, is um, transparency. Cause we do that in the web, in like our webinars and like with our clients, it's like, there's no reason not to be. And that's, I, I think like you mentioned, that's, that's been a huge part of where people, that emotional thing, they're like, Holy shit, I'm finally somewhere where I'm not getting the wool pulled over my eyes. Like, I'm actually, I can get the information that I need, and they're not going to bullshit me on anything. So, that was a big part of what what we're trying to do over here.
0: Awesome. Well, with that being said, hope everyone enjoyed episode one of the Service Bureau Accelerator podcast. And we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, Tia. Thanks, Ross.